Today, friends, I have something very special planned for us in our practice. And um, I have a quote that I would like for us to use as a source of contemplation. And I'm going to repeat this quote a number of times, particularly if you feel inspired to write it down, to keep close to you. It is a beautiful quote by a teacher that I deeply admire. John O'Donohue is his name. He is, was, he died in 2008, an Irish poet and mystic. He was a Catholic priest for 20 years, and he left the priesthood um, primarily because he wanted to write about Celtic wisdom. And he wanted to bring together the wisdom of world religion as a way of really elevating uh, the Judeo-Christian idea. His poetry and his writing is extraordinary. His most famous book is called Anamkara, which in Gaelic means soul friend. Today, I'm bringing him forward in a Buddhist practice because for the month of December, we have been exploring this theme of light and dark, that black and white idea of good and bad. You know, we have this very ancient mythology that that has defined everything that is light and white is good and everything that's dark and shadowed and black is bad. I remember listening to um, uh, an interview with Muhammad Ali, and he brought forward this black and white thinking in terms of racist ideas that I thought was really clever. And one of the comparisons is... Why is white cake called angel food cake, but chocolate cake is called devil's cake? Devil's food cake. What's that all about, right? And we can laugh about it because that's an adaptive coping mechanism for things that make us uncomfortable. But it just lets you know how deep that is. And so we have a very serious conditioned habit energy to treat everything that's dark, everything that's black, everything that's shadowed as something bad, something negative. And everything that's bright and light as something good, something clear. So we have confusion on one hand and clarity on the other. We have freedom on one hand and slavery in the other. The Buddhist practice and these Eastern practices are all about not denying those two extremes, but allowing them to to inform everything that's in the middle. The middle way is the Buddhist way. So to not reject everything that's on the light side and the white side, and to not reject anything that's on the black side and the dark side, and to remember that we are all, each of us, this very complex constellation of both those sides and a whole lot in the middle.
And so for today's practice, I want to bring us into the awareness that maybe we can start cultivating a friendly curiosity toward those aspects of ourselves that are shadowed and dark, toward those aspects of ourselves that we have been conditioned to believe are bad. And in fact, with friendly curiosity, maybe invite those qualities that we have compartmentalized to that side of the extreme as something that is informing our maturity, our growth, our wholeness as whole, beautiful, miraculous, divine human beings. So that's what we're going to endeavor to do today. All right, everybody with me? Yeah? Again, I can't work my iPad because it's just Mercury retrograde. Hello, friend in New Zealand. Good to see you. <laughs> so to begin our practice today, friends, let's come in and settle into this moment and find a posture that feels conducive for receiving. And I want to encourage you to determine that for yourself. What does your body need to receive this practice? Does it need to be sitting up tall, stepping into a little bit of core strength so that the belly can be soft and the spine is straight. Maybe the shoulders are rolled back so the heart area is open and soft. Maybe the body is craving a little cradling from the earth and it would be better for the body to lie down and receive that way both the back body receiving the support from the earth and the front body receiving the sentiment of this practice maybe the body is not able to enjoy stillness in this moment. And perhaps the body needs to be on a treadmill, on a stationary bike, going for a walk, cleaning out a junk drawer, folding the laundry. It doesn't matter, friends. Whatever your body is asking, honor it. And let that be your practice today. And when you have found a position that feels settled, go ahead and turn the gaze inward and allow the body to breathe, but bring a noble attention to your breath. Breathing in, breathing out.
as we endeavor to illuminate the dualistic nature of light and dark, shadow and clarity, I'd like to put this in the context of what we can see and what we cannot see. Many people in community and certainly on the journey of recovery have initiated their journey not by choice. Many people step onto the journey of recovery because they are forced to. They have been unskillful in their relationship to habit energy and substance misuse, and they come into contact with police. They've been arrested, slapped with a driving under the influence, and are now part of the court system, the judicial system. And so people find themselves on the journey of recovery um, because they have to be. They're forced to be. They either do this or they spend time in jail. Again, it's a very dualistic setup. Some people do very well. And some people have a more colorful journey that is depicted by lots of moments of sobriety and abstinence and many more recurrences over a period of time. Everybody's journey is different. We know that. But take that in. Everybody's journey is different. That means your journey is the right journey for you. And the thing about the journey itself, the journey of recovery, the journey of life, is there are so many experiences that happen to us that initially feel and are really terrible. They're painful and challenging. They're upending and bewildering. They stir up emotions in us that are really challenging. Sometimes the experiences make us realize, wow, we don't have enough tools to cope with maturity or integrity. This is why we practice. And the miracle of this, the thing that really gets me, is how often again and again and again we hear people say, you know, this was at the time the worst thing that ever happened to me. And over time, it has become the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I think as human beings, we all know that experience, whether it's related to something in recovery like a DUI or a health upheaval or some kind of loss, some kind of disappointment. We didn't get the job we wanted. Uh, we didn't get into the school we wanted. We didn't finish a project in the way we wanted. We didn't get an award or some kind of accolade that we were expecting. 
And through all of that disappointment and all of that negativity, however, some unseen force is behind the scenes of our lives, knitting and sewing a whole tapestry of life that if we're paying attention, has depth and color and texture and beauty and wonder. We limit our experience of life by defining it in extremes. This is bad. This is good. And in that limited perspective of what we think we're seeing, we fail to experience all the unseen things that are happening for our benefit, for our richness, for our goodness, for this exquisite experience of life. This is not to suggest that we spiritually bypass anything that's bad. When I was going through a cancer journey with my daughter, nothing stirred up resentment and anger more quickly than people saying stupid things like, cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had to work so hard not to punch people in the face when they said that because it was so absurd. I get it, but it dishonors the shadow and the darkness of the experience. A cancer journey is a terrible journey. It's brutal and violent and painful. The journey of recovery and the journey of substance misuse is brutal and painful and challenging and confusing. Let us not forget. Let us not fear to honor those parts of it. We don't have to diminish it and make it the enemy. And we certainly don't have to pretend it was anything less than what it is. The practice helps us pay attention. The invitation to be equanimous allows us to fold in the challenge, to fold in the pain and the upset and the suffering and the misery. Fold it in to the joy and the delight and the wonder. Fold in all the things that you cannot see that support the life that you can see. And together, you come into the nobility of reality the majesty of the present moment, the nature of being whole. 
This is what John O'Donohue says. There is an unseen life that dreams us. It knows our true direction and destiny. We can trust ourselves more than we realize. And we need have no fear of change. There is an unseen life that dreams us. It knows our true direction and destiny. We can trust ourselves more than we realize. And we need have no fear of change. My motivation, friends, for sharing those beautiful sentences with you is to address that part of us, that habit energy within each of us that has this uncanny ability to formulate story that is so negative and distorted. And we repeat this story so often that we think it's real and true. There's no doubt that as human beings suffering with substances, suffering with their addictive qualities, suffering with their diminishing nature, we have behaved unskillfully and outside of our own boundaries of integrity. We feel guilty about it and shame. But in no way does that make us bad people. We are human beings capable of unskillful actions and we are human beings capable of skillful ones too. So imagine for a moment that there is an unseen life dreaming you exactly as you are. How does that challenge your story? Imagine that you can actually trust yourself. How does that challenge your story? Imagine Everything you fear regarding change, a life without substance, a life that has to feel and iron out 
the wrinkles and tears of missteps, confusion, pain. Imagine right beside all of that fear is sada, unwavering, heart-led confidence. There is an unseen life that dreams us. It knows our true direction and destiny. We can trust ourselves more than we realize and we need have no fear of change. Friends, coming into this realization is a practice. And it is a practice of exquisite simplicity, beginning with coming into the jewel of Sangha, the jewel of Dharma the jewel of the Buddha, whose nature is our own. May you receive this teaching at the level of the heart, and may it soften, open, and bring ease. We'll end our practice today simply chanting one time to the three jewels in Buddhism. We begin this chant with Namo, with a wide open heart I bow to the Buddha, to the Dharma, to the Sangha. If you know it, you can chant with me, and if not, just enjoy the chant. Breathing together. Namo Buddhaya Namo Dharmaya Namo Sangha
Take a deep breath, friends, and when you're ready, come on back and we'll share. I think that's it. And let's go ahead and end with a dedication of merit. And I'd like you to come into a posture that feels really strong. And close your eyes and take a deep breath. The Buddhist practice always ends with a dedication. And the idea of merit, the dedication of merit, is not about being a goody-goody. I do something good and I get good things. That's an elementary and rather immature view of karma. That said, when you do good things, good things will come into fruition. But the Buddhist practice takes it a step further and says that you are not inclined to keep this for yourself. We dedicate the goodness of being here, the goodness that we receive, the goodness that we feel about ourselves for having shown up, having practiced, we dedicate it outward. We bring it into the world that couldn't be here today. We dedicate it to people who are in prison, who are in hospital, who are living on the streets, who are standing in the line at the food center just across the street of Soul Center, who are isolated in their rooms and cars, people who are on the outside living a sparkly clean life and on the inside are the dumpster fires we all know. The people who are outwardly living great suffering and tragedy and on the inside have forgotten the nature of their goodness. We dedicate this all on behalf of the suffering of the world. And in Thich Nhat Hanh's words, our lives, your life, is the instrument with which to experiment with truth. Your life is the instrument with which to experiment with truth. May the truths you discover sing your bones and may you continue to be the light that alleviates suffering in the world. Thank you for your practice, friends. We'll see you tomorrow. Namaste.